here, so I guess you're stuck. I'm, I'm third string, I think. I think, that's, I think that's how, I don't know. Second thing, yes, I got a haircut. All right, everybody's like, did you see? He got it. And yes, it's short. Okay, so let's just clear that all up right now. Uh, this morning, uh, as I was thinking about what we're going to talk about, and I'm with you for the next two weeks, and um, we're going to be looking at this idea, this concept of how we work and how the Holy Spirit works in and through us. And a lot of this has come out of just my own, thinking about my own life and my own journey and where I'm at and just kind of evaluating that a little bit and and where I'm at in, in that and the working of the Holy Spirit through my life. And as I, as I take time to do that, and if you took some time to do that, uh, we all kind of come up with some ideas or evaluation. And, and most of us, we understand and we know that, you know, the Spirit works in us and through us and we're, you know, to produce righteousness and fruit and those kind of things. And, and so some of this is just coming from some gut level evaluation of my own life and thinking, am I where I need to be in that, in that area, in that arena? Am I... Am I righteous? Am I displaying the fruit? And, you know, in true confession, there's, there's a lot of areas and a lot of things in my life that aren't, that aren't there, that aren't. And there's this struggle. There's this, hmm, I don't what's going on? And, and part of what comes out of that for me is how do I understand how this is supposed to work? And if I have some understanding how this is supposed to maybe that can help me because why aren't I perfect? Why aren't I, you know, all nine fruits of the Spirit? Boom, check. What? And, and maybe in your own life, and we're all in different places on that, but what, what's, what's that about? How does this work? Because in some cases it's not working maybe as well as we kind of read that it's supposed to work in God's Word. And so that's sort of where I'm coming at for the next couple of weeks, and, and th- today I just want to I just want to try and understand a little bit of that, and, um, and and explore that, and then next week we're going to talk about sort of the working and what actually are the results of the Holy Spirit when when we're working and the Holy Spirit's working with us. So that's where we're going. Let's just pray, Father. We just pray that as we just kind of try to bring some understanding and yeah, some resolve to. Your working through your Holy Spirit in in us, um, we just pray pray for clarity and understanding and uh, Father enlightenment. And Father, we thank you for your Word and all the things that are in there about you, an amazing triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And as we talk about that part, that person of the Holy Spirit today, we pray uh, that uh, it would have some impact even on how we may live our lives differently as a result. And so we commit that to you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we have a, I have a ser- sermon outcome, I'm going to call it, uh, this morning. And hopefully with some understanding of the Holy Spirit and how He works in our lives, it will challenge us and ultimately allow for His work to prevail in our lives. So that's, that's where we're going. That's kind of the outcome. Uh, this is going to be a fair amount of information. Uh, it's going to be... Uh, a, a pretty quick overview of, of things, 
but just to kind of get us thinking and so on. And my, my hope is that this won't be the end, the beginning and the end all in 40 minutes or whatever amount of time we have together, but maybe we'll get you thinking and get you doing some, some, uh, some praying and understanding of things. Uh, we're going to go through a whole pile of slides, and there's a whole bunch of scripture. This is a bit of a topical approach to this topic. So we're kind of moving around in a bunch of places, and I have all the scriptures here. You will see the references on the, the various slides. If you're interested in the notes, I am happy to produce a copy of the PowerPoint notes, which would allow you not to have to somehow quickly scribble all this information down. Uh, just let me know afterwards, or you can email me, steve at mediba.com, and I, I gladly send those to you. So if you're interested in that, to do some, some more looking at that, that would be great. So we're going to begin, uh, we're going to do a little Holy Spirit 101 here. And uh, the, the first thing we're going to look at is this idea that the Holy Spirit is God. And this, this is an important place for us, for us to start. Uh, and I, I believe and I know that most of us, we got that. But what's interesting is that in our churches, in our lives, we talk a lot about God the Father, God the Son. There's another, there's an, and we, we don't seem to really talk a lot or even think a lot about that. But we, we are talking about a triune God. And there's all different views of the Holy Spirit, to be fair. Uh, but as, as I look in Scripture and as we look at that, the Trinity emerges, three persons of God, all are one, but have separate persons and have different roles that they play. Uh, but the Holy Spirit is, in fact, God, and there's a number of references to that. So some of the things that uh, we might choose to determine that are the fact that he's omniscient. In 1 Corinthians two ten to 11, these are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God, for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And so we have this idea that he's all-knowing. Well, that, that's definitely an attribute of God. Omnipresent means everywhere. Psalms 139.7 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? And so there's this idea that's, that definitely is an attribute of God. Omnipotent. If we were to look at the Genesis account and you were to really read that carefully, you will see the Holy Spirit included in, in some of the, the way that that account is played there. It talks about in Genesis 1-2, now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And if we were to go on and look in the Genesis account, there's, a, there's, a, there's some, some verses where, let us create uh, man in our image, right? There's this, there's this hour, this, this plurality to, to this idea of the Godhead. And so, again, that's an attribute of, of God. Uh, an equal in the Trinity, Matthew 28, 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit isn't kind of this, you know, the last kid in the family that gets forgotten, <laughs> You know, an important part, an important person in the triune God that we serve, that, that, that we are part of in our journey of, of faith. And uh, He is God. So that's an important one to remember. So Holy Spirit's God. We'll, we'll park that. The, the next one-on-one thing about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit is a person. Okay, interesting. 
And we talk about God or sing about God in three persons, blessed Trinity. And we talk about the personhood of each of the Godhead figures, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And again, there's lots of references in Scripture to the fact that the Holy Spirit is a person. Uh, and that's very cool. He's intelligent in 1 Corinthians 2, 10 to 11. These things are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. Spirit searches all things, and we've already done this verse. Even the deep things of God, for who knows a person's thought except their own spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. There's an intelligentness there. You have to be a person to be intelligent. He has feelings or emotions, Ephesians 4.30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, which would imply there, there's some emotion there. And, and a person has emotions with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. He has a will. Uh, again, in uh, 1 Corinthians, that same verse. Um, uh, all these things are the work in... I'm sorry, that's uh, not the same verse. 1 Corinthians 12.11. All these things are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. That, that idea, just as He determines, is to say that He has a will. Now, these are important. It's important that the Holy Spirit is God, because there's a part that we're going to talk about a little bit later that the Holy Spirit plays in that role in terms of our connection and this whole how we are redeemed and redemption and all these kind of things. It's important that the Holy Spirit is a person because there's this idea that we have fellowship with. We have a, a relationship with the Holy Spirit as well. And so that personhood is an important piece as we move forward. Uh, can, continuing on in uh, Holy Spirit 101, there's a number of illustrations that you will be familiar with that I thought would be interesting to uh, just let you know. The Holy Spirit's referred to in Scripture as clothing, um, as a dove, fire. Uh, I'm going to try and sort of use an illustration of fire here, hopefully. We'll see how that goes. Oil, seal, not the animal seal. Um, a different a seal, like a seal that there's something. When you go to uh, Foodland and you don't take a bag and they put, that, they put that orange sticker on that says thank you, that's a seal that says you bought that, right? That's like a seal. You could ask for one and say, put it on yourself and say, hey, look it. And then they say, why are you doing that? Because I'm sealed. And then it might end. Don't be weird. Don't do that. Don't do that. Um, a seal, okay? A symbol, so to speak. A servant. Uh, we, we see the Holy Spirit illustrated as water uh, or wind. And uh, so there's a number of different illustrations of uh, the Holy Spirit as we look through Scripture. Uh, continuing on, uh, the Holy Spirit imparted. And this is, this is important for us to grasp as well, is that we are given the Holy Spirit. Scripture talks about that in 1 Corinthians 6.19. Do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. So there's this idea of we're given. It's, it's, he's in us uh, in some form. John 14, 16 to 17. And I will ask the Father, this is Jesus speaking, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Very, very specific, this idea of that the Holy Spirit, that part of God is coming and is part of and is in us. 
And uh, that's important. Now, it's important we don't become God. Uh, so, uh, because the Holy Spirit is a person, we're a person, two persons together. But the Holy Spirit comes and is in us. And, and that's, that's, that's an, an important piece. So, we've got this, these ideas that are important for us to first start and know that the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is a person. We, have a, we can relate uh, we have a sense of some of the illustrations, and we know that the Holy Spirit is imparted to us. And uh, just to be clear, that, that Holy Spirit's imparted to us at that time of salvation. And we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go through. So one of the key roles of the Holy Spirit uh, in terms of working in our life is for the purpose of regeneration. Uh, now, that's a big word, but it's this idea of spiritual rebirth, Okay. And it's that whole idea that um, we're to be made new. We're 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 in a, a different we're a different create creature, and we we read that in scripture. And there's a couple of things that the Holy Spirit's involved in in terms of regeneration. And the first one is is that we're considered holy uh, by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Now we we would use a big word called justification here. Okay. And this happens at the time of salvation. I mentioned that already. Uh, in Romans uh, 8.15, it says, The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear. Uh, rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. That's a key, key verse there, your adoption to sonship. So it's, it, we've, we've been made or considered holy. We've been adopted. All right? So that's a, that's a key, key piece. In 1 Corinthians 6.11 and that is not what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. So here we're, we're seeing uh, two parts of God coming into this, Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and they working together to bring about that sanctification, justification into our lives. And so there's this indwelling, the Holy Spirit comes and, and dwells, dwells in us. Um, and I could show that. I'm going to, I'm going to turn this on in a minute. This is our uh, Coleman lantern or propane lantern. And unfortunately, on bringing it here last night, I broke the glass in it. So that's why there's no glass here. So we'll, we'll see if it'll work. Um, but there's this idea. I'll just turn this on quickly just to see it. There's this idea that if we're the Coleman lantern and we can light these things up here, the Holy Spirit comes and starts to, to be in us, okay? And so there's that indwelling. He's there. Um, you know, the lantern has a purpose. It's not just to be a lantern, but it's to, to give light. And without the Holy Spirit, we're, we're not able to actually realize our entire purpose. And that, that's, a, that's a key piece. Uh, the next thing we're going to talk about is, is this idea of the filling of the Holy Spirit. And, and that's an important piece as well that, that we, we realize. And this is the idea of sanctification. So there's the indwelling where the Spirit comes, but then there's the filling. And as the, the Spirit fills us, we get brighter, right? Or if you will, producing righteousness, okay? And now this, this lantern's really fulfilling its purpose for what it, why it was created and, and what was intended, and uh, it's, it's really on fire, so to speak. 
And that's the spirit that, we, if we can, every analogy, every illustration breaks down at some point. But if you can work with me, it's this idea that the spirit is working through us. So the spirit's indwelling us. He's, he's there. He's always there. But what's interesting is, is that there's this, I can adjust this, right? And that's a, we're going to talk about that in a minute, okay? So let me just, I'm just going to turn that off. I'm getting hot up here. First of all, the filling, a couple of things. It's commanded that we be filled, okay? So Ephesians 5.18 talks about that. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So there's this idea that we can increase or, or somehow there's an increase of the Spirit's, Holy Spirit's filling. And if there can be a filling, there can also be a, an unfilling or not as much filling, if we could say it that way. Uh, there's a number of uh, references that talks about the fact that that filling comes and is repeated. And we can see uh, stories in Acts where all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Or another time that after they prayed in verse 31, it says, uh, at the place where they were meeting, it was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. And so there's this idea that there's almost this variableness to the Spirit working through us and in us in this, this filling piece. And uh, in the same way that, that our, my lantern illustrates sort of the adjustment of the intensity of that light. Uh, unlike this lantern, which I've turned off, though, the indwelling is always there. We'll get to that in a minute. So that's important for us to, to realize. Uh, and then the whole idea is that it produces righteousness. Now, there's a number of things we're going to talk about next week that are re- the results of the Holy Spirit working in a believer's life. So if you come back next week, we'll go into more detail in that. But in terms of right now, I'm just looking at this idea that it produces righteousness. And if we look in Galatians 5, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now again, even the way that that's written, there is an implication that we can be out of step if we're to keep in step. Um, We're to live by the Spirit might imply that maybe we wouldn't live by the Spirit. And so those are a few things for us to to consider as we go through. So this brings me to where I started. Why am I, if I would light this thing again, why, you know, am I on like full light righteousness? You know, there's all kinds of things, gifts, gifting, and um, fruit to the Spirit, all those things. What, like, how come I'm not there all the time, or how come I'm not there maybe right now? What, what, what's happening with that? Because if it's just go Holy Spirit, and I just kind of, okay, go ahead. Right? Like what, how's, how's this work? And that brings us to a dilemma uh, as I evaluate righteousness, as I mentioned at the beginning. Why, why am I not there yet? Why, why do I struggle? And maybe you're there too. It's like, I've got this issue in my life, this sin in my life, or this fruit of the Spirit that I'm supposed to have, but it's not evident. And by the way, all of us are to represent those nine fruits of the Spirit. Those are fruits of the Spirit. Those are not spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are very specific to each of us as believers. But 
the fruit is to be evident by all of us. Well, maybe, maybe you think you got the fruit all going on, but if you're not sure, you could ask the person next to you and, and, and help with the evaluation and say, you know, patient, kind, goodness, like self-control, long-suffering, gentle, like all of those things are to be evident in all of our lives as believers. And so then I turn that and I go, you know, I'm, why? Why? And for some, I've heard these things said before too, I was once on fire when I was first saved and now I'm kind of, you know, maybe, maybe you've said that. Or I can look back over my life and see seasons of, you know, you know, burning bright and then uh, not so much. And what, like what? Because if the Holy Spirit is God and He's all-powerful and all those things or whatever, why isn't it just happening? That's the dilemma. And if it was just happening, wouldn't we all like just have so many people here and Christianity would just be like, wow, and you hear it over and over again. I mean, I don't mind Christianity. It's the Christians that, you know, sometimes are the, the issue. And the reality is that's a commentary on me and you. And so what's going on? And that's, again, that's, that's the gut level what, what we're trying to get at a little bit this morning. And some of you, perhaps, perhaps this is what, what happens to you. Um, you know, you do the kind of sin thing. And a pattern emerges, right? And then you confess, right? And then, okay, everything's fine, but then I sin again. And then, okay, I confess it. And then I sin again. And, I, and you get in, you've seen that pattern maybe in your life. I've seen that pattern in my life. And it's like, well, hold on a minute. If all this, all this Holy Spirit 101 we just talked about is true, and it's the power of God working in me, and ooh, let's, like, what? Why? Is it that it's just not working the way that it, you know, it's supposed to? That's the dilemma. Well, let's look at a couple of things. First of all, um, we need to explore um, holiness for a minute. So let's let's go that go there for a second. If that's the next slide, sweetheart. And the first part of of holiness I want to talk about it is the position. Of holiness, okay. So when we talk about holiness, and this is this is where we gotta, we're gonna try and separate this out a little bit to get some understanding, because what happens is, is that there's this idea that well I'm holy, so everything's fine. True. <laughs> and it's not fine, which is also a problem or not true or is true, whatever, however you want to look at that. And so when we look at holiness, and there's all kinds of passages in Scripture that talk about the fact that we are the holy sons and daughters of God. We are holy people, righteous. You know, But what's important for us to consider is that there is a position of holiness, okay? A position of holiness. At the time of salvation, we are given a position of son or daughter of Christ. And we saw that in that verse in Romans 8, 15. The spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. We are considered holy by Christ's atonement for our sin. Okay, that's an important distinction here. We are considered holy when, you know, God looks at us, he's bought and paid for, sealed, if you were, by the work of Christ and the Holy Spirit that's indwelling, considered holy. 
And that's why we can even have communion with God at all because, you know, God and sin doesn't work. But we're considered holy. It's a position that we have, okay? And that's important for us to to work through. So Romans 8.15 talks about that. And the idea here is that this is justification. Just as if I'd never sinned is another word that, that people use. And it's this idea of this is justification. At a point in time, we are saved. You can hit the next button there, love. And it's justification. And we are considered a son, a daughter. We are heirs. We are going to heaven. It's amazing. Now, the next part of holiness is the state. Okay? And that's the next thing I want to talk about. The state of holiness. Now, this is different than our position. Our state as believers is not one of perfection or holiness. And we are to bring our state in alignment with our position. So we are considered holy, but we are not. And that's our state. This is our position. This is our state. And we're to bring that state in alignment with our position. So God has considered us holy. Our our sins have been atoned for. This is wonderful. Great. We're saved. Justification. Now there's this process of righteousness or sanctification, if you will, that we need to consider. And um, it talks about uh, in 1 Corinthians 6.19, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So it's this idea that you're bought. There's the position in that verse. And now you need to bring that in alignment. Bring the state, our state of unholiness, and work on that to bring it in alignment with the holiness of our position that God considers. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 It is God's will that you should be sanctified. Sanctified. We are justified, but there's a process for sanctification. Okay? We are not perfect in our state, and we need to conform our state to our position. So hopefully that helps us get a bit of a, okay, this holiness question, because I've had this discussion with a number of people. It's like, well, I'm holy, so everything's fine. You know, even if we look at Romans uh, chapter 8, they're having this discussion, and Paul has to weigh in on this because they're like saying, okay, well, we're considered holy because of the grace of God. So if we keep on sinning, that's actually going to show the greater get grace of God because as we sin more, the grace of God has to be greater. It isn't that good. So let's just keep on sinning so the grace of God is more. And Paul says, no, 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 that, no. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. And there's this process of sanctification that we have to work out this righteousness. And um, we've already talked about the fact that the Holy Spirit indwells. That's the, that's the justification part. So we're considered, you know, as we had not sinned. But our state is that we continue to struggle. We continue to do so. And that's where the filling of the Holy Spirit comes in. That's the turning it up now. And the Holy Spirit's going to help us with that, help us on our path, help us on our journey towards holiness. And this is, this is crucial. And we have to be aware of that, and we have to work on that. But what is that work? What is that? And this is the part I want to get to. What, what's that about? So how does it work? How do we and the Holy Spirit 
How do we work together? Like, how, what do I do? What does he do? It, it, it seems a bit complex. I know I've got a position of holiness, but I'm not in my current state holy, so, and what do I do? Do I just be and the Holy Spirit works through me? Or do I need to work harder? You know, and that, that's a huge, I, got, I just got to work harder at that. I got to work harder at being patient. I got to work harder at being more loving. I got to work harder at being, you know, and, and I've been there. I got to work on these things. I just got to do more or do it differently or something. And, and, and so then you get into this, do I do nothing and the Spirit's just supposed to do it all? Or do I do a whole bunch of stuff and somehow we, like, how does this, how does this work? That's, that's the role. And do I have, have a role? And uh, I'll show you my, nec- my next slide because this, this is kind of how, this, this is how I, I feel sometimes. So there's, there's us, okay? And there's the Holy Spirit, right? And the Holy Spirit is filling us. And this is great because that produces great things, right? It produces righteousness, fruit, gifts, and there's some other things. We'll talk about that next week. But that's all going on. And when it's working, that's the way it's supposed to work. Just like I turn on the the lamp, the Holy Spirit's indwelling. I turn up the knob and boom, we're on fire and we're just producing. It's great. Righteousness, fruit, our specific gifts are, are coming through and we're using those and it's just great. But here's what happens. Sometimes I don't feel like or think like the filling's really going on. And then when that's not happening, now I'm struggling with my fruit my righteousness, and my gifts aren't being used. They're not, they're not happening. That's, that's the dilemma. That's the, that's the struggle. And it brings me back, so what do I do? What do, I, what do you do? Because I get, I get, what, do I just be, you know, and you know, we've been through that. Well, this brings us, here, here's, the, here's the simple answer. And it's, it's so simple that it just—it seems like I need to come up with something else. It's just—but I'm gonna—I'm gonna show you. I got something here behind my, behind this tablecloth here, and this is it right here. That's it. It's that simple, and hard and complicated at the same time. I, uh, all of the road signs uh, just down the road here at the roads department—they're all leaning outside against the building. They're just there. And, uh, but I did ask uh, to borrow this, so, because that would kind of conflict with exactly what I'm trying to teach, right? To go and steal that would be, would be wrong. And uh, I adjusted their sign a little bit, albeit not, it's not permanent, because it's just paper. But what's our role? Our role is not to work harder at doing more, or to try and get about it some other different way. Our role is simply to yield just to yield. And that just seems so simple, but at the same time, we know that process of yielding. And when I look at my life, when I, when I was doing this study and I was thinking this through and I got to this point as I'm doing the, my, my you know, research and stuff, and I go, can it, be, can it be just as simple as that one word, like one thing? And as I started thinking about areas of my life where I'm struggling, and I started to say, is there some some way I'm not yielded to God entirely, and that's what's 
causing this lack of fruit or this lack of righteousness. And as I start thinking about some of those things, I go, generally speaking, we might all say, oh yeah, we're yielded to God. I mean, we all just stood up and sang all of these songs. But are we yielded in every area, in every way of our life? And when we're not, that's, that's part of the problem. And it's not that we need to do more or try and be better. Right? We just need to stop and we need to yield. And we need to deal with those issues in our life or whatever that we're, we're just, it's still me. Some of us, for some of us, for me, sometimes the song is, Yes, Lord, yes, me, yes, Lord, yes, me, amen. Right? That's, that's really the song. Right? It's like, yes, Lord, but over here in this issue or on this particular situation or at this time it's me. I want my way, my thing. You know, and it's a little bit of this, okay, you can have that because that's easy for me to give you that. I can give you that. That's easy, but I want this. You know, I don't struggle with it, so that's easy to yield in that area. But this area, you know, because of my background or where I grew up or how I grew up or whatever, that's harder. So, But it's complete yieldedness. I don't know if yieldedness is a word. For today it is. But it's yieldedness. That's what we're talking about. And that we yield our lives in totality to God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. In totality. In every area. On any topic. In every way. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yielded. And then, as we say yes, as we say yes, we don't do the work of producing the fruit and the... And the righteousness. As we say yes, the Lord comes along and says, okay, and okay, and just works through us because love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. Are you kidding me? I can't, I'm not doing that stuff. That's going to require the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit working through me. And my spiritual gifts, those are given up to me by God. I can't do those without that happening. And in every area of my life, it's yes. And when we have areas, that becomes a bit of an issue. And we're not yielded. Okay, let me turn that off for a minute. Let's talk about unyieldedness or yielding. i got another slide for you. Our roles to yield. Yielding to the Spirit's control, though commanded, is voluntary and necessitates an act of dedication. That's Charles Ryrie. He was a theologian. Um... There's a couple of uh, comments here. There's our initial yielding, and we talked about that. That's what brings about the indwelling. We initially at some point say, yes, Lord, I, I, I want to serve you. I want you to be Lord of my life. And, and we have a point in time in our life where we say, come into my life and, and save me and, and, and do that. We call that kind of that point of becoming a Christian, that point of salvation. And at that point, we have that initial yieldedness. There's some point where we've made that big decision, but then there's continual yieldedness. And this is what's important for us, those of us who are believers, and that continual yielding, every area. And Romans 8.14 talks about it. For those who are led by, led by, are we led by the Spirit of God? Or are we led by me? Right? Are we led, is it a yes, you know, Lord, yes, me, or is it yes, Lord, only. And if we're led, and that's that idea that it's a continual 
decision of yieldedness. And as we do that, the work and the power of the Holy Spirit will work through us. It's, it's just, just comes. It's, it's, yeah, incredible. Okay, um, let's talk about unyieldedness for a minute. And there's two, two things I want to cover that we read in Scripture. Um, the first one is the quenching of the Holy Spirit. And you've probably heard this before. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 and 24, it talks about do not quench the Spirit. Uh, it goes on to uh, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. Uh, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. Uh, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, this idea of quenching, when we, when we read about this, is this idea of there's this picture of dampening the work of the Spirit in the life of a believer. So if I were to turn on this, uh, I, again, this illustration is not perfect, so work with me here, but I'm keeping some of your attention, that's for sure. Okay, so we've got the initial indwelling, we're yielding, and things are on fire. It's great. Um, but what happens is that we can come along, and when we say no, essentially, if I had water in here, which I don't, and you can imagine why, be like me you know, taking the top off this and pouring water on this thing, and you know, these mantles would all get wet and they wouldn't work. Okay, that's important. Now, the other thing, uh, another illustration might be that, that we're saying no, and so we just kind of say no, right? And, and the Holy Spirit's trying to work there, but we just say uh, no. And what's interesting is that as we say no, or as we quench, the Holy Spirit reacts and says, oh. Okay, did it, oh, I didn't mean to turn it right off because I still want to show that. What's important here is that we're still always indwelt by the Holy Spirit. You never kick the Holy Spirit out, but you will quench His work in your life. And that can happen, you know, however you want to show that illustration, you can do that, but it's us saying no, it's us not being yielded, and we quench. We say, no, no. We read Scripture and it's clearly laid out about how we should live our lives or be in our relationships or whatever those things are. And we say, eh, no. And it's exactly like covering or pouring water on and the Holy Spirit essentially regresses. Says, okay. It's not possible for you to put the Holy Spirit out in an absolute sense. Uh, and that's important, that third point there. He's, he's, his indwelling is assured to every born-again believer, but it will cause... Him to regress, okay? And so that's, that's important for us to realize. Saying no is, is a problem, okay? The next, the next one I just want to talk about quickly is grieving the Holy Spirit. Now, grieving the Holy Spirit is different. Ephesians 4.30 talks about this. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Now, there's a couple things that are important. Holiness and sin cannot coexist, so as we sin, we grieve the Holy Spirit. And James 4.17 talks about if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, for them it is sin. So whatever, and it could be anything or whatever that is, but it's what we know we should do or not do and we still do it or don't do it. It can be sin of commission or omission. It could even, we could even say that continual unyieldedness, right, is that that's sin in itself, right? So that's that whole piece. And um, 
I'm not going to turn this on, and I, I just I, I didn't couldn't I couldn't come up with anything else, but so I got toilet paper. But sin is like we add sin into our lives, or we 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 choose to sin, and we know, and we make decisions, and so we allow those things to happen. And in sorry, it's a tall lantern, and eventually we cover sin covers or hides and eventually diminishes the work of the Holy Spirit. And again, when there's that resistance through sin on our part, He will stand back. He will pull away. Not pull away like from us, but the intensity of the Spirit filling, that filling changes because we've allowed this sin that's created a wall to come. And as that resistance is there, the Holy Spirit says, uh, okay. It's still there. Okay, it's still lit. I wish I could keep that going. But the, the Spirit doesn't leave, and the Spirit always wants. But what ends up happening here is that we've got to deal with the no that we say, the unyieldedness in the way that we say no, or the unyieldedness in the way that we have sin and allow sin and continue to have sin come into our lives. And for both of these things, we first have to confess. And I, this is a pizza box, and I wrote confess on here because I I wanted this piece of cardboard which has pizza stains on it and isn't written very neatly to really represent how I feel and think when I need to confess. I'm at wit's end, right? It's just whatever I can find to write somewhere, somehow on this piece of cardboard I need to confess. I'm in a state of desperation, or that's what confession should, should be about. And anytime you see people that are homeless on the street, I mean, they just tried to find a marker and a piece of cardboard, they're, they're destitute, they're, they're in rough shape. And in the same way, we get to that point of confession, it's this idea of we need to confess, we're at a low point. And as we confess, then we yield, Right? And this is the issue. It's not sin, confess, sin, confess. It's sin, confess, yield. And this is the pattern that ends up happening is that we don't do the yield part. We don't do the evaluation in our lives and say, hey, what is it that I'm not, in what way, in what area am I not yielded to God? And it's causing either sin or just generally me saying no. To the work of the Spirit in my life. And once we confess and yield, He will do the work. It's not a matter of trying harder. He will do the work, but we have to be yielded. In some cases, we need to confess and yield. And that's just a really quick, simplified (laughs) trying to bring some understanding to this and in my own life trying to work this out. And recognizes I now know this information. You know what? Where am I not yielded? What are the areas, the decisions, the situations, the circumstances where I'm not? It is what I still want, not what God and His Word wants. So to wrap things up for us, the Holy Spirit is God. Part of God's work, He's he's a big part of God's work in regeneration, justification and sanctification. 
And um, the Holy Spirit's work in our lives requires our confession in some cases and certainly yieldedness. And this confession and yieldedness is ongoing as the work of the Holy Spirit in the life, as is the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. It's not a one-time deal. It's not a gave a knee, said the prayer, moving on. It's ongoing. Confess and then yield. And that's what I wanted to share with you this morning. Next week, again, as I mentioned, we're going to look at the results. When we get this stuff all dealt with and we get the yes going, um, we're going to look at the results, this light shining out. What are the things that that's going to do in and through us? And so hopefully you'll come back and hear a little bit about that. Seven things I want to share with you as we talk further about the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. Father, we are grateful. You are an awesome God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we are overwhelmed by the fact that that part of you, the Holy Spirit, dwells within us and allows us to do incredible things by your power. But we do have a role, and that's to not get in the way, to not let our own desires and what we want to do quench the work of your spirit. Father, to not allow that sin that we have allowed to come into our lives. Father, help us to confess it and then yield those circumstances and those situations, each and every one of them, to you. And Father, we hope and pray that in doing so, you would just well up within us, fill us, and just do incredible things through us. And we give you the glory for that. It is not of us. We know that. We're struggling. So we need your power and your work in our lives. We need that today, Father. Help us to consider these things and think about them as we go through our week. In Jesus' name, amen. So the next song says...